morning, uh, did I say 14, 16, chapter 16? Our lesson this morning is on something that all of you are like to, you like to hear about, you like to, of course, to preach about or teach about, and that's this matter of giving. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 16, <clears throat> now we've just come out of chapter 15, it's all about the resurrection, and, and uh, the Apostle Paul here, he has lifted us to the heights, and you, you come out of chapter 15 shouting, and then uh, chapter 16, he says, now, <laughs> now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, then will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. We're going to stop right there. That's probably as far as we're going to, going to get today in the lesson. Um, I'm not surprised that, that uh, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to wind up this letter by talking about giving because you remember as, as we've come through the book of uh, 1 Corinthians the church at Corinth was a very sick church and one of the marks of a sick church is a church that's weak in giving our pastor Brother Smith used to say uh, don't ask another preacher how many they had in Sunday school that's not a real indication of the strength of the church ask them what their offering was that's more of an indication of the strength of the church than, than the attendance. So, um, but this, the church at Corinth was a church that not only abused the gift of the Spirit, <clears throat> but they had ignored giving in the Holy Spirit. And so Paul had to write to them and remind them of their financial obligation to the Lord. <clears throat> now, people... Uh, People generally, and I'm not talking about you, our, our folks uh, give very good. We, um, you know, we, we don't have any problems financially as a church. Um, <clears throat> the Lord has blessed us greatly. But, uh, but people generally, they don't like to hear uh, sermons or Sunday school lessons on giving, on money. But um, the the subject of of giving was talked more about uh, from the Lord was talked more than any any other subject more than more than what he had to say about heaven or hell or salvation or prayer or soul winning he talked about more about the subject of giving. And money than any other subject in the New Testament. There was an old preacher that was uh, training a young protege in the ministry, and 
and he was trying to tell this young preacher how to lead a church. And he said, you, you, in leading the church, you need three books. You need the good book, you need the hymn book, and you need the pocket book. He said, now when you hold up the good book, you'll need it to preach the word. You need the hymn book to praise the Lord. You need the pocketbook to pay the bills. He said, now when you hold up the good book, you'll make your people holy. When you hold up the hymn book, you'll make your people happy. When you hold up the pocketbook, you'll make your people disappear. <laughs> and I believe that's what happens so often because everybody loves the Bible and everybody loves to sing, but, but um, they're not that enthused about, about the offering. Now, I've discovered that uh, a, a true, sincere, genuine, spirit-filled Christian who's right with God never minds messages on giving. <clears throat> in fact, we, we can rejoice in it because we're right with God about it. Amen? <clears throat> but um, it's, here, it's here in the Bible. This is what we come to here now in chapter 16. We've come to this subject of giving, and uh, we're not going to ignore it. We're going to see what uh, what the Bible has to say about this thing of giving. Uh, you know, most of us, we're, or maybe all of us here this morning, we know that the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. It doesn't say that it's not a blessing to receive. I, I like it when, you know, when I get something, somebody gives me something, I like that. But it says it's more blessed to give than to receive. That means uh, when you receive something and the blessing you have from it, <clears throat> there's a far greater blessing from giving. And um, I, I found in my own personal experience, I found that uh, certainly uh, to be true. And let me tell you two kinds of people that, that don't like to hear the preacher preach about giving. Number one is lost people. Lost people don't want to hear about that, the um, years ago we had a um, family that's going a mother, a wife, and and there were several kids, and the dad the dad didn't come, and <clears throat> they they rode the bus, all of them rode the bus, uh, one of our buses, and uh, and so I I uh, speaking to her about you know about her husband, you know and why he didn't come, and she said well. He says that every time he goes to church, all they do is preach about money. And he said, she, he said I, I, I just don't, you know, I just don't like to hear it. So I don't go. And, uh, and, and she, she, she told him, she said, well, our preacher, you know, I've been going over there for several months and all. And she said, I've never heard him say anything about money, about giving you know, except they do take an offering, you know, they take the offering, the tithes and the offerings, they do that, but he's never, you know, he's never preached about money in all, all this time. And she, so he said, well, okay, well, then I'll go. I'm going to go and hear him. Well, it, it happened to be that, that Sunday that he came, we were, we had initiated what we were calling the chest of Joash offering. And that was for a building fund. That was, we were... Uh, I don't know if we were getting ready to build a building or, or purchase property or what it was, but we were, we were uh, trying to get people to commit to giving so much a week to, that, to the building fund. 
so that we could, you know, accomplish whatever it was that we were attempting to do. And so we had a we had another thermometer just like this one here, had it over on this side, and had the goal, and um, and and we were calling that the chest of Joash offering. So that's what I preached about on that Sunday morning. <laughs> and that guy, you know, she had told him said he he never preaches about giving. But that was what the message was that morning, so he never came back. And uh, <laughs> but the fellow was lost. Didn't, he didn't want to hear. Didn't want to hear about about giving about money. <clears throat> That's the uh, first kind of person that doesn't want to hear about giving. Uh, but people that are lost, I mean, they don't like anything about God. So why would they like giving? You know, message about giving. But then there's another group of people who are those carnal Christians, carnal Christians, who are not right with God financially. They're not supporting the work of the church like they ought to, and they know it. These are the people that, that gripe the most. These are the people that complain the most because they know that they're not right with God when they're not giving, when they're not doing what the Bible teaches about, about giving, bringing the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse. Now, Paul here gives us some divine instructions on how both the church and the Christian is to handle the money. And first of all, I want you to notice here, uh, when, when are we to give? Look at verse 2. It says, upon the first day of the week. What is the first day of the week? That's Sunday. Sunday is the first day of the week. He said, let every one of you lay by him in store. <clears throat> And um, those who are who are scholars in in languages, <clears throat> the, uh, comparing the uh, the word that's used in the Old Testament in Malachi <clears throat> about bringing the tithes and how uh, often into the storehouse, that's that Hebrew word for that, and the Greek word here laid by him in store. Uh, it's the same thing. It's talking about the Lord's house, the storehouse, the Lord's house. So on the first day of the week, that's Sunday. We uh, Wednesday night, I I started a two-part message on on the Sabbath day. What is the Sabbath day? Why uh, why we don't worship on the Sabbath? We we worship seven days a week, but we don't meet together to worship on the seventh on. Uh, on Saturday, on the seventh, what the Bible calls the Sabbath day, <clears throat> and uh, we 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 saw that the the uh, already there's another part to the to the lesson. I'll be speaking on this Wednesday night, but uh, we've already seen that that uh, contrary to what some people believe that that the the day the the uh, Sabbath day was changed to Sunday, and so we're, we're, we still call it the Sabbath day, but that's not, that's not true. That's not what the Bible teaches. Some of the old-time preachers, I know if you've ever heard or, or read from people like D.O. Moody, Billy Sunday, these were great men of God, but they believed that the Sabbath day had been changed to Sunday. And, uh, and so that's why you will hear them or read of them in their sermons, they'll talk about on this Sabbath day. But that's not what the Bible teaches. They were not correct about that. 
uh, Sunday is the first day of the week. That's when we're to meet. That was, that's resurrection day. That's resurrection day. The Lord, uh, when, when they came to the sepulcher on the Sunday morning, the Lord Jesus was, was gone. He had already been resurrected. So you find the Christians in, you find them meeting together on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. And uh, it, it's, it's interesting that I was, I was reading about the fact that, that uh, all, all, all countries of the world, all, all nations of the world, their calendars are seven-day weeks, seven-day weeks, just like here, just like this. And, uh, and, their, and their days are the same in the same order. So even, even in other countries, Sunday is the first day of the week, Saturday. In fact, the word, the word Sabbath means seventh, and not Saturday. That's the seventh day of the week. That's the, that's what, uh, and that's what God had, had uh, given to the Jews. And by the way, uh, the Sabbath day was never given to Gentiles. It was given to the Jews. It was given to them. So, um, so Paul here, he, um, he's, he's telling us now when we're to give, it's upon the first day of the week. That's on a Sunday, the Lord's day, and you and I are to bring our offerings to God. And, and uh, you know what that tells us? That tells us that giving and worship are woven together. You can't separate the offering plate from the message. You can't separate the offering plate from the music. Giving is as much a part of worship as anything we do. Remember the Lord told him in the book of Matthew, told about a, a fellow that he, he brought his offering, he brought his offering to the altar, but, but he remembered that he had all against a brother. And he said, uh, the Lord said that he, he was to leave his offering at the altar and go make things right with his brother and then come back. Because you see, you can't worship God if you are not right with your brother, if you have all with your brother, and and so he, so that shows you that that giving, that bringing your offering, is a part of worship. That's a part of worship. Whenever when the offering plate is passed, and you put your offering in the offering plate. You're worshiping. That's a part of the whole of the whole service so um, so in in this when he says upon the first what day of the week uh, first of all that tells us that we're to give in a specific period of worship on the Lord's day the Lord's day on the first day of the week on Sunday we're, we're to bring together to God what what we purposed in our heart to give back unto him now now why do you say to do that? On, on every Lord's Day, upon the first day, he was teaching us the lesson that we need to remember the Lord consistently in the area of finances. You're to give to the Lord on a regular basis, to give to the Lord systematically. Giving, giving is not a hit and miss proposition. You, you say, well, you know, I got a little bit extra this week, so I'll give, but next week, you know, the bills are too tight, so you don't give. That's not tithing. That's not tithing. You're to give the tithe on the first day of the week. Now I, I know that uh, some of you 
you you get paid monthly, but but on the on the when you get that check, whether it's in the mail or whatever, what whatever it is, when you get that check, then that first Sunday, uh, that is the day that you're supposed to be given your tithe, first day of the week. Uh, you know, I've heard people say, well, uh, you know, I, I tithe, but when I go on vacation, you know, I, I have to use that money for, you know, support my uh, vacation. That's not tithing. If you miss two, if you miss two Sundays, then you're not tithing. You're still not, you're not right with God. You got to be regular in your giving. You'd be as regular in paying your tithe to God as you are in paying your bills. We're going to be looking at some of the excuses that people use for not uh, for not giving in a, in a minute. But but uh, paying your bills—that's one of the things people use. Well, I got to pay my bills. But not only should you give in a, spe- a specific period of worship. Given is a special part of worship. You see, you really can't worship until you give because all worship is really giving. You're you're giving. You're giving in worship. You're giving your heart. You're giving. You know your uh, your being, your will. You're surrendering in in that act of worship. No worship's complete unless. There's, there's giving. Remember, the first day of the week was a day of worship. And Paul was saying, when you come together to worship, you also come together to give. You know what the word, what the term worship really means? It comes from an old Anglo-Saxon word that means worthship, W-R-T-H, worthship. And what you do when you come to church to worship the Lord is you're setting aside some time, you're getting alone even here in the church, and you're saying to God, you alone are worthy of my praise, my adoration, my thanksgiving, my heart, my love, and my giving. You're just giving God his due. You see, one of the reasons why, why many don't enjoy the worship service is maybe they never learn what worship's all about. They got it somehow in their head that worship's all about getting. I've had scores of people over the years have said to me, uh, well, you know, uh, I, I quit coming because I just don't get anything out of the service. I just don't get anything out of the service. <clears throat> when you come with that attitude, you're not going to get anything. When, when, you, when you come with the idea, I, I want to give, I want to give. I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about giving your time, giving, giving yourself in that. If you don't come with, you know, what, what can I get with that? What can I give? Then, uh, then if it's only what can I get, uh, then, then you're, you're self-centered. You're only thinking about yourself and what, what, what benefit can you get from the service? You ought to be thinking, what can I, what can I give? Worship is, is not primarily for you to get something from God. Worship is primarily for you to give something to God. You can't worship without giving. You can get without worshiping, but you cannot worship without giving. 
For example, when you when you uh, when you worship, you ought to give your voice in exhortation as you praise the character of God. You ought to give your ear in concentration as you listen to the Word of God. You ought to give your mind in meditation as you think on the things of God. You ought to give your heart in consecration as you bask in the love of God. And then you ought to give your money in commemoration as you remember the love and the goodness of God. That's what real worship is. It's not getting, it's giving. And so as you come together on the Lord's Day, Paul says, bring bring your offerings. Bring that tithe and give something un, unto the Lord. Then the second thing, uh, not only the the, the, the uh, when of giving, but but the who of giving. Who ought to give? And Paul makes it very plain. He said again in verse 2, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you, every one of you, lay by him in store. He didn't say let most of you. He didn't say let some of you. He said every one of you. There, there are no exceptions. There are no exemptions. No excuses. You know, I was reading that, that in the average Baptist church, I'm not saying that ours is in that, I don't think we're an average Baptist church. I think we're above average. But in the average Baptist church, 20% of the people give 80% of the money. 20% of the people give 80% of the money. Never has so much been done by so few. And also, it said, they said that in the average Baptist church, 50% of that membership doesn't give one dime to the support of the church. I, I don't, uh, I, I made it a, a practice when, when I first started pastoring that I, I did not want to know who gave and who didn't. So I have never, I have never had a part in counting the offering or taking the offering or or, uh, or looking at who, who gave and who didn't. All I've ever required from, from the secretary or from whoever was uh, given the report, all I've ever required is know how much the total offering was, how much was in the tithes and offering, how much the missions offering was, and how much the building fund offering is. I, I never wanted to know who tithe. I did not want to be... Uh, prejudice in any way you know because it might be you know if I knew there's some old skin flint out there that's not giving and yet is always complaining you know I might you know I might not treat him right now you know but so I never I never want I'm just kidding about that but I I never I never wanted to know I never wanted to be influenced either way about whether the person gave or not now if I if I'm talking to somebody about teaching Sunday school, yes, I do ask them, do you tithe? I don't want a Sunday school teacher that doesn't tithe. If, uh, if I'm interviewing a person to be a deacon, I will ask them, do you tithe? I don't want a deacon that doesn't tithe. Uh, but, but as far as the, the general membership, I, I don't know. I don't know who tithes. Now, now you know uh, there, there there is a way that you can tell 
when people tithe and when they don't. It's by the look on their faces when you're preaching about it. And, and so I, you know, I can get a general idea about it just looking at folks when you're preaching about tithing, preaching about giving. <clears throat> but um, the people, you know, use all kinds of excuses for, <clears throat> for not giving. And, <clears throat> and I said the number one is that I can't afford to give. But you know, the fact is you can't afford not to give. Um, if, if, you're, if you're giving to everybody and everything except to God, then, then you're priming the wrong pump. You're cutting your nose off to spite your, spite your face. You're ju you just cut yourself off from the greatest source of blessing that you could ever know. And that's the Lord. If you know, I've had, had people over the years that come and say, uh, Preacher, can you help me, you know, set up a budget? You know, I, I'm, I'm always in trouble, you know, financially, and, and I just can't seem to make it. I want to tithe, but I, I just don't have enough money to do it. And and so I, I tell them, I said, okay, here's, here, here's what I'm going to suggest to you. This is what you should do. Number one, Start tithing. Yeah, but I can't. I can't afford. Uh, you, know, you can't afford not to. You see, when you give, it's like you know that little boy that gave his lunch, and and the Lord took that and multiplied it, and fed fed over five thousand men besides women and children that were there. How they see God can multiply when you're right with God and you give to the Lord, He can multiply that. Now, I can give you a personal illustration of that. Well, I went to Bible college. We had, uh, I had, before before we left, I had I had saved up some money, and uh, my, my car was paid for. It was practically a new car. It was all paid for. We didn't have any debts. I saw to it that, that we would not have any debts. And... Uh, because I, I want you know, if, if I had a hard time getting a job there in Bible college, uh, then, you know, you know, I wanted to have something to fall back on. And so we went, well, when, when we got there and I started trying to get a job, um, and we, we went, we, we left for college in July. School was not starting until September, but I wanted to get a job and get a place to live and all that. Um, I was married, we had two children. And um, so I had to have a job. I had to work. I was, nobody was supporting me. I was the government was not going to reimburse me for whatever it cost me to go to college. So I was I was dependent on on myself to pay my way through. And Janice and I both went. So I, you know, I was going it was going to take a certain amount of money just just to go through college, besides uh, renting a house and all that, you know, and. So, um, but I, I, I couldn't get a job. And, and they would tell me, you're overqualified. And I said, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not here. I'm not here for a career. I'm, I'm here to go to Bible college. And whenever I'm, when I graduate, I'm, I'm leaving. Uh, so I just want something. I want a job. I don't care. I'll, I'll sweep floors. I'll do anything. I just have to have a job to support my family and support my wife and I 
in college. And so, you know what happened? We used up all of the money that we had saved up, used up all of that money. Hadn't been there very long until uh, a woman ran in the back of me and she was, she was practically flying. She, she drove my, my car into a, an oak tree across the road and it crumpled my car up like an accordion, you know, and so it was totaled out. Well, she didn't have insurance. And, and my, I had canceled my uh, comprehensive, everything except liability in order to save money. So I didn't have insurance to get my car fixed. In fact, it cost me $15 to get the car hauled to the junkyard. And I got nothing, I got nothing out of it. So the Lord saw to it, I didn't have any money saved up. You know, we spent all that. I didn't have a car now and, and no job. And you know, I was picking up, I was picking up little jobs here and there and all, but uh, sometimes it'd be maybe $15, you know, for the whole week, $15. But uh, did you know that the Lord, what, what little bit I was making, the Lord stretched that out where, you know, we, we, could, we could still eat. We, we might have been peanut butter sandwiches, but, but we were still, we still eat. I even learned to eat oatmeal, you know, and I never did like that stuff, but stuff like that, you know, you can, you can uh, live on a lot of things that maybe you don't like, but, uh, but the Lord stretched out. The, you know, we'd, get a, we'd get a letter in the mail and have a check in it for, you know, a certain amount and anonymous, but it was postmarked Orlando, Florida. That's where we were from. We were from Orlando. And so I knew that somebody there, the Lord laid on somebody's heart to send that, but, but we never knew who it was. Now, there were times whenever our relatives, my sisters or relatives, you know, would, would, send, would send money and all. But, but see, the Lord, the Lord what, what little bit I was making, the Lord would stretch that out by using somebody else or some something else. Uh, but things like I could I could tell you time after time after time during the years we went Bible college when God provided we did not know where you know where it was going to come from. But we can we continued to tithe and we also were because we made a promise about the faith promise missions offering we continued to give that. Um, so so don't don't tell me you can't afford to tithe. When, when you tithe and, and you and you're right with God about the tithes and offerings, God will make your washing machine last longer. He'll make your car last longer. Uh, there are things you know that, that that won't break down that you won't have uh, a problem about because because God's helping you in that. Uh, you won't get sick as much <laughs> having to go to the doctor. Um, so. When you, when you write with God about about giving, then then God's going to bless you for that. Listen listen to this verse in Proverbs chapter three verse nine. It says, "Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase." Now the the first fruits that that's the tithe. That's that's the beginning. That's the first fruit. You're 
you give from the top, not the bottom, the first fruits of all thine increase. That's the whole thing. Verse 10, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Now, now that's black ink on white paper. God says, when, when you honor me with your giving, I'll more than abundantly bless you. You give to me and I'll more abundantly give back to you. If you honor me, I'll more than honor you. And in, uh, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, it says, But this I say, each which, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. The best way to manage your money is to let God be your treasurer. The best way to handle your money is to let God write the checks. Let God have priority. If you'll take a tenth of your income right off the top and give to God, give to him what, what God says belong to him. The Bible says the tithe is the Lord's. That's, and that verb there is is a continuous action verb. It means always. It's always. The tithe is always the Lord's. When you give that tithe, you take of that first, the first of your paycheck, you give that tithe, God will take what's left over, and like a few loaves and a few fishes, he'll, uh, he'll multiply it a thousandfold. You know, people, people say uh, sometimes, well, I'm going to wait until I can afford to give. Well, if you wait until you can afford to give, you'll never give. You'll never give. We call our, our missions, or we call it a faith promise offering. That means you can't, you can't sit down and write down what your income is and what your outgo is and say, well, then I'll give, you know, I'll give an offering then to missions of what's left to it. That's not faith. Faith is giving above and beyond what you think you can. If you can see it, if you can, if you can in your budget you can write it in, then that's not faith, is it? It's having faith that God will provide. That's what our faith, that's what our faith promise offering is all about. There have been countless uh, numbers of times that people have testified that uh, they, they, you know, they had no idea when they wrote down how much they were going to give, what, what God laid on the heart. They had no idea where it was coming from, but, but God always provided it. He would always provide. When I went to uh, to Maryville, the uh, of course it was we didn't have a whole lot of people, but uh, the the offering for that the year, and I went there the last of May, and and so Janice and I gave to missions. Even even though I was only making a hundred dollars a week, we 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 gave a portion of that to missions. And so at the end of the year, whenever we saw what the church had given, you know, what the amount of money was that had come in for missions, it was exactly the amount I had given. It was $600. And that, and that was all. And so that our, my first year there, we, we instituted the Faith Promise Missions offering. Do you know what our first year, what the offering was our first year there after we did that? $1,000. $1,000. 
$20,000. It went from $600, which is all what I had given, uh, to $20,000 the first year. See, that's what, that's the blessings of God. When you, when you commit something to the Lord by faith, God's going to bless you for it. He's going to multiply that. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the lesson this morning. I pray that you take it and use it and bless us, Lord, uh, as we make the application in our lives. And I ask you now, Lord, to bless the preaching service this morning and be with the music, bless those that sing, and bless our uh, choir and also the congregation as we sing uh, praises to God. And, Lord, I pray that you bless the message. I pray that you'd help me, give me the words to say, give me the, uh, give me clarity of thought and speech, and I pray that we'll, you'll crown all of our efforts with the salvation of the lost. For I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're starting our preaching service now in a couple of minutes. We invite you to stay with us.